This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities, this is Well, 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 brought to you every week by Thorn Harbour Health. Jack with you here on Well, 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 and I was recently in Adelaide uh, after uh, the 50th anniversary of the death of Dr. Duncan uh, in Adelaide uh, in the River Torrens. That was quite a significant moment. Um, relevant to LGBTIQ law reform, um, stigma and discrimination in Adelaide across South Australia. And I spoke uh, while I was recently in Adelaide with Will Sargent about, uh, I guess, the impact of, of what that had, the landscape uh, for LGBTIQ or as, as they say, uh, rainbow South Australians at that time, um, and, and really what is left to be done uh, in the space. My name's Will Sargent. And I'm um, an out-proud septuagenarian. I turned 72 on the 10th of June, which of course is the birthday of Judy Garland, and it's her 100th anniversary this year. So uh, that's an interesting coincidence, (laughs) isn't it? This year, uh, um, 2022, is an important year because it's the 50th anniversary of my life as an out gay man. At Adelaide Uni, uh, there was a big meeting, and it was uh, combined with the launch of Dennis Altman's book, homosexual oppression and liberation. Right. Yeah. And uh, the story goes, I wasn't there, but the story goes, a young academic leapt up at the conclusion of this big book launch and cried straight out. (laughs) And it was the birth of Adelaide Gay Liberation Front. Right. And my sister Susie was a student at Adelaide Uni and shortly after she brought home this pamphlet about gay liberation. I thought, oh, I'm go to a meeting. And I remember this day so well, it was a Friday night. Friday night, the boys from the Charter Accountants firm would go around the corner to a pub just up here in Curry Street and have drinks after work. So trying to be one of the boys, I used to do it. And that night I crossed the road, went to the Women's Liberation Centre, which was situated there in Bloor Court, and I attended my first gay liberation meeting and I'd found my tribe. From Gay Liberation Front, they formed an activist branch, Adelaide Gay Activist Alliance, which was very much about political action, you know, zaps, demos, um, artwork, spray painting, all that to get the message out there. Uh, And and talking to groups, education things as well, a whole range of of practical things. This was still shortly after 1972? This was 73. 73. So it was all of 73 and it sort of climaxed at the end of the year in September with the first Gay Pride Week and the first Pride March called the Proud Parade here in Adelaide. Which So um, 73 was really a year of activism and coming in contact with other gay liberationists Mm. and gay liberationists visited from Melbourne and Sydney so there was this sort of um, movement between gay liberation to Adelaide, Melbourne and Sydney. Yep. So I got to meet people from Melbourne and Sydney and visited. So it was very heady, exciting times. And I suppose that has stayed with me and has been sustaining for the last 50 years. <laughs> and as I say, I've been described as an unreconstructed 1970s gay liberationist. And it is um, a label I wear as a badge of honour. Given uh, that 
the 50 year anniversary you spoke there um, about the death of Dr. George yes, Duncan has just yes. passed. Can you give a brief recap of who Dr. George Duncan was for um, people that don't know and, and how he died? Yes. Okay. Well, um, he arrived in Adelaide um, in March 1972 and he'd accepted a lectureship at the law school at the University of Adelaide. Yeah. Um, he was 41. He was well-educated. Um, also, he was a high church Anglican, a devout Christian. So as I say, by any standards, he would be considered a pillar of society. One floor, he was homosexual. Yeah. And of course, 1972, what does a man arriving in a city do to meet other homosexuals? Apparently he came with a copy of Spartacus, which did indicate a couple of venues um, the Ambassador's Hotel in the city and the Buckingham Arms just out of the city, yep. but also the River Torrens and the toilet there as an encounter spot. Yep. So clearly that night, I would say he'd gone down to the River Torrens, he'd been in town six weeks mm. uh, to meet someone. Right. But of course, we know he was thrown into the river as two other people were that night. Mm. Um, they both escaped, one very badly bruised and dampened, the other one with a broken ankle, but Duncan drowned. And um, so when it became apparent that, you know, he was this respectable citizen, a law lecturer, you know, um, wasn't just some kid from the suburbs, you know, um, there was um, an outrage. Would yeah, you say? Uh, I think. Well, certainly the um, the head of the law school really took it up as an issue. We, right. w why did this happen? What's behind this? Yep. So you know, respectable forces, and yes. I think the advertiser at that time also took up the issue. And um, a couple of things that then unfolded um, before the police investigation had concluded, um, an inquest was called. Um, less than a month or about a month after the drowning and it released, uh, the uh, coroner released his report a month later. Uh, um, death by drowning at the hands of persons unknown. You spoke a little bit to, you know, your experience in 72, uh, some of the context around Dr. Duncan's death in that year as well. What was the landscape in, in your measure generally for um, rainbow communities in South Australia at that time? Well, you see, uh, very important, I think, Jack, because um, really until the advent of gay liberation, a lot of people lived discreetly mm. or if uh, and closeted, or they might be out to their own little community, their own little party scene, yeah. their own pub scene, but they might not be out at work. And so that idea of being out and proud and proclaiming yourself publicly was a pretty new phenomenon, it seemed to me. And certainly, it seemed to me there's a bit of a divide between the old camp community and the young gay liberationists right. who want to be in your face. And, um, and can I tell you one quick story, which I think captures this. It was for the second attempt of law reform in 1973, and I was in a gay household, and gay liberationists, gay activist alliance, we were saying, no, we should be able to go into schools and tell year 12 students that gay is good, there's nothing wrong with being homosexual, a positive message. Mm. And um, I remember clearly that day, someone from Camp Inc. arriving at our gay commune 
tearing down the hall and absolutely berating the sp a spokesperson gangsterized what do you think you're doing we're trying to get gay law reform through you'll frighten the horses just stop this you know um it's it's counterproductive so that idea of don't frighten the horses mm. we're really nice respectable people we're just like you no we're horrible gay liberationists we're not going to be nice. we're not nice we're proud of what we are and we're going to proclaim our message. So there was that bit of tension and divide mm. between the old school people. You know, they've lived and survived and they're out in certain circles, but discreet in others. You might party, you might go to the gay pub, but you were fairly careful about mm. how you did that. I was very aware of that. The other thing is, of course, you see the first Sauna in Adelaide, which is still running, mm. Pulteney 431, mm. the longest running um, gay business in Adelaide, was opened in 77. I'd left Adelaide by that time. And Mars Bar, which was an enduring nightclub, it had a number of manifestations over the years, that opened about the same time too. So that idea of, you know, a real nightclub, not just a bar where you'd go and have a drink. And of course, here in South Australia, till 67, there was six o'clock closing. Right. Pubs closed yes. at six. But there was quite a party scene. People would, the word would go round apparently, there's a party on and you'd go on to a, an invited party. But it party. was all underground. Y yes, and knowing people and, yep. yep, yep. You know, during the Dunstan era, Dunstan's uh, time as Premier saw um, much in the way of socially progressive law reform for, mm. uh, you know, Rainbow South Australians. How much do you feel the, the mainstream parliamentary uh, mainstream and parliamentary support that led to these changes was following the death of, of um, Dr. Duncan. Yeah, well, clearly it did, yeah. because within 11 weeks of his death, mm. there was a private member's bill. It was a member of the um, Legislative Council, the Upper House, who Liberal Country League, Conservative, yep. Murray Hill. Uh, he introduced a private member's bill to decriminalize male homosexual acts. Right. Not, as they say, decriminalizing homosexuality. Itself, homosexuality yeah. per se was not illegal in Australia. Mm. It was if you practiced, if you did it. Yes. If you did some sex act, you know. And of course, at that time, you could get up to three years for uh, gross indecency, up to five for indecent assault, and up to 10 for the abominable crime of buggery. Right. So, um, and so, um, and certainly in the 50s, people were convicted and sent to jail. Yeah. In my book, some of those stories. <laughs> was, was it on the downturn, like was, I guess, the enforcement of those laws on the down through the 60s and 70s? Or did this, like, was that bill that I imagine came into to law, was that a huge shift for um, gay and lesbian people in, uh, in South Australia at the time? I, I think it was a watershed moment because just that, idea of hang illegality, criminality, hanging over mm. gay men. No, 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 of course, lesbian sex has never been criminalised in Australia. Right. Not to say that lesbians didn't dis um, had to live discreetly, um, were discriminated against. Of course they were, all those things, but not that strict legal criminality. Um, and certainly there are cases in the 50s. I'm not aware in the 60s and 70s, but it was, it was still there. Right. You're hanging over your head. I think that was the thing. And there was certainly police harassment. There was certainly entrapment. Yes. And and we know that's clearly what the Vice Squad were doing down there on that night of the 10th of May. Yeah. And A was clearly entrapped, you know, um, and, and thrown in the river. Um, and 
So they certainly had a policy of entrapment mm. and throwing poofters in the river. There's no doubt about that. So, so, that, so you live with that as well. Yes. That fear of harassment and, okay, you went down to the beat for an encounter, but the police might be there. And what, yeah, people were arrested for loitering, yes. loitering. As we said earlier, the 50 year anniversary of Dr. Duncan's death was recently observed. What response from Adelaide's rainbow communities did you see in, in light of this? Mm. Great, Jack. I think the rainbow community and the broader community mm. and the pinnacle, the highlight, was the Adelaide Festival Oratorio Watershed, right. which tells the Duncan story and the drowning. A most remarkable performance, musically, visually, even though it was an oratorio, the performance was extraordinary. And of course, being the Adelaide Festival highlight, um, it meant the broader public too, it was sold out. And a couple of things in that regard, Adelaide University, for example, staged a big event on the preview night um, with uh, the writers and uh, Neil Armfeld, who produced it uh, there, and they had a panel and a huge audience. And then Gertrude, my character, was asked to leave the March of Solidarity, such a 70s concept, a March <laughs> of Solidarity from the university along the path to the stair of tragedy, as Gertrude calls it, yeah. um, through to the Dunstan Playhouse where the oratorio was performed. And it was something like 250 people on that procession. So right. that was quite extraordinary. Quite lot, and Adelaide University students, the Pride Group had created a rainbow arch and, and, and decorations mm. for that event. So that was a, a real landmark. And then again, because the 10th of May was right in the middle of History Festival, the South Australian History Festival, right, yes. um, we had uh, the memorial on that day, which students always organize, and a panel afterwards. And then um, Tim Reeves, who is a local um, Duncan historian authority, yeah. uh, gave the uh, special um, Talking Histories um, event and then Gertrude led a history walk yes. down through that route and told the full story with a performance by um, part of the chorus and, right. and soloists from Watershed, which was just a quite extraordinary. And we really want to do that after dark to capture what it might have been like. And um, I think by the time some of the cast joined us here, we had something like 70 people on that walk. So that was... Um, Quite really memorable <laughs> and, a, and a, a very important way, I think, right. to mark the event and what it means. We've spoken a lot about where Adelaide and South Australia was, um, you know, in, in years gone by. Now, I, I guess, what work is left to be done in Adelaide um, as far as potentially law reform, but around stigma and discrimination of, mm -hmm. of, of our rainbow communities? Um, what's left to be done on that, on that front? Yes. Um, I mean, there's subsequent legislation, of course. Yes. Um, in 1984, um, the Equal Opportunities Act, which meant no discrimination against a uh, rainbow community, yep. except, of course, and it's a sore point for me, uh, religious organisations are exempt, so they can discriminate. Right. In to employment. this day? Yes. Right. Um, and I always say, if any organisation gets one cent of government money, you know, we're um, a secular state, that's the law of the land mm. and should apply to everyone. I feel very strongly. So there's still an the exemption there, which I, I think needs to be overturned. I think that's something still to be done. Um, interestingly, um, 
The um, Domestic Relationships Act, which was 2006, gave um, equality to same-sex couples, excluding IVF parenting and adoption. Now, I think that still stands, so perhaps that's something to look There's at, still, even yeah. though it's not part of my gay liberation no. ideology, but as I that, yet no. wanted. It, yep. Um, so that's um, something to consider too. And the whole issue, you know, the, the, um, the position of transgender people, I mm. think there's still some ambiguity there. And we know with the Federal um, Religious Discrimination yes. Act and the problems there. So there could still be some issues there, I believe. Mm. And then, of course, finally, having been the first jurisdiction in Australia to repeal um, anti-homosexual laws, um, and achieve that, that reform. We were the last jurisdiction in the country to repeal the gay panic defence. Right. Yes. How recent was that? Well, um, it was passed at the end of 2020 and came into law in 2021, so just over a year ago. Right. Until then, you know, you could have um, killed someone and, and, so and claimed was... gay panic. I was in such a panic, um, you know. And I... that was still part of law. Yeah. yeah. And it was still used not terribly recently, but it was still used in recent times. Yep, I yep. Certainly, um, certainly in 1992 it was used. Mm -hmm. in the, so we, we're looking at the 90s. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So fortunately, that's off the uh, statute books. Uh, you know, I think to um, law is one thing, but changing attitudes. But mm -hmm. that's a marker. If you've got good laws. At least the law is saying, no, we respect people, we respect all people. Mm. So that's an important marker, but it doesn't necessarily change attitudes. So there's always that work to be done. And that's why I think, you know, being um, out and proud and honest is, and visibility is still really important. Mm. And, you know, the Feast Festival, I've been involved with every Feast Festival yeah. since its inception in 1997. So I think that's a very important manifestation and Midsummer in Melbourne, Mardi Gras in Sydney, those um, sorts of things are still uh, very important. And of course the Safe Schools project, which is now defunct, isn't it? But I, I think that was um, a very important initiative. Right. Um, I, I chuckled, you know, Jack, I was walking past, um, it was a state school the other day, and it was a cold, breezy day. It was really nippy. And there were all the boys in long trousers and the girls in short skirts. And I thought, oh, girls, it must be, that's so impractical. You must be so cold. Why aren't you wearing pants? Why doesn't the uniform say, yes, girls, if you want to wear pants in winter like the boys, go ahead because it is form follows function. It's a sensible, warm, thing to do. Of course. Mm, mm. It just struck me really powerfully. Yes. Um, I guess that that's everything that I've I've got, Will. Is there anything that um, that I've missed out or that you've touched on that you wanted to wrap up? Um, right, right. I, I just want to say how important a feast has been for me and the Uranian Society, which is Adelaide's Forum for Gay Men's Culture, right. which began in 89 and I was a founding member and a long-time committee member and Gertrude, my character, has always been the drag performer for the Iranians. And in fact, uh, they created her right. in 93. Next year, it's her pearl anniversary. She really will be a pearly queen next year. <laughs> and um, and Gertrude's led every uh, history walk right. at every feast festival. She added uh, wild sex to her repertoire too. So she's done wild sex around the world, you know. 
uh, looking at animal um, behavior both in terms of their family structures and their sex lives to show just how diverse uh, it is in nature you know when people say you know it's against nature well clearly it's not um, so doing that for the last 25 years has been really important and something I hope to continue well, I mean, I look forward to seeing you at Feast Festival, um, Will, and I look forward to seeing Gertrude as well. Thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Well, 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 your show for LGBTIQ health and well-being, presented by Joy Sponsor, Thorn Harbour Health. For more on these topics and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website, thornharbour.org. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.